Welcome to The Pemberley Podcast, a podcast where we discuss Jane Austen adaptations, now covering Sanditon Season 2. I'm Yolanda Rodriguez. And I'm Jillian Davis. Keep up with us on TikTok and Instagram at The Pemberley. You can support us on Patreon and email us at thepemberleypodcast at gmail.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the final episode of season two of Sanditon. It's a really exciting episode today because Yolanda and I are trying something brand new. So normally what we do for you guys, we watch the episodes in advance. We have a little outline. We have what we want to say. We've seen it. We've got hindsight. Today, we're doing a live watching of Sanditon. Yeah. So we're not, I don't think we're going to like have it so that you can listen to the episode so much, but we're going to be commenting as we watch. So our reactions are going to be in real time. We haven't seen anything. It's really just like two friends watching this thing, (laughs) talking over the show. (laughs) I know. We're going to see how this goes and how it works and how you all like it. And maybe this will be something that we do, especially for like premieres or just for finales. So hopefully this goes well, because, you know, if it goes great, then we'll do it all the time. (laughs) It's really an experiment. I'll say that much. It's an experiment. And like, I think we're two people we can stand talking during episodes. Sure. <laughs> there are people out there, you know what, I'm sorry if you're someone who's like, I can't talk during, like, we can and we yes. will. Without further ado, we're going to watch season two, episode six of Sanditon. We started out with seeing a mysterious box from Antigua. We don't know, but it's going to Tom Parker. I'm, I'm sure we'll find out what's in the contents later. I love that it didn't come from a specific address. It just came from Antigua. Antigua, yes. (laughs) And then we get this nice scene of Charlotte, Allison, and Georgiana sitting around basically talking about unexpectedly falling in love. I mean, Georgiana fell in love with Charles, the artist, and she's like, didn't see that coming. Allison says she's going to miss Captain Fraser more than anyone else she's met here. Definitely didn't see that coming. (laughs) And Charlotte has Mr. Colburn. And like, I feel like this conversation is the opposite of Taylor Swift's mastermind. (laughs) Like the universe kind of masterminded them. Like they were like, this wasn't supposed to happen. You know, this is not how we envisioned our love stories. They all came in with very different expectations for the season and they're coming out of it with a completely different result in like in a surprising and really good way. Cut to the denims. Esther is in a psychological horror movie in her yeah. own head. She, she's lying in bed. The doctor, the German doctor is standing over her like, you tried to take the baby last night. And she's like, no, I would never hurt my baby. Can't believe it. Like, I mean, she doesn't know what's real or what's not real. She's very much Peta Malark. She's like, real or not real right now? Lady Denim is seeing this unfold and she's like, I don't know what she's thinking, but it feels like she's not going to want Esther around much longer. And this is all playing perfectly for Edward. He's like, great. His evil plan is working. So poor Esther. I mean, she's, she doesn't know what to do with herself. She doesn't. And she literally, I mean, literally, this feels like a psychological thriller right now. Like a woman trapped in society doesn't know what's real and what's not. And it just sucks. I was gonna say there should be a Regency era, like thriller like that. But there's Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, I guess. (laughs) That's not so much like a psychological thriller, though, as it is like horror action movie. Yes. Yes, yes. But I like where your head's at. (laughs) I like it a lot. So Captain Fraser has come to 
Allison's place where she's staying. There's all this buildup of like, he's about to confess that he's in love with her. He's about to propose. And Allison, you see all the hope in her eyes and everything. And then he calls her a friend. You and I just, I feel Ugh. like we should recreate the sound right now <laughs> that we made when we saw that. One, two, three. <laughs> Devastation on yes. all fronts with us, with her. And then he gives her a little parcel and he's like, here's something to remember me by swear you won't open it until you're home. And if I were her, I would open it the very second he, he left closes my house. the door. Because yes. what if it's an I love you gift? And then she has time to go back and say like, hey, I opened your gift early. I love you too. Well, I feel like they're both being reserved with their feelings, right? Yeah. Because I feel like he said friend and maybe he chickened out at the last second. But once he leaves, he says, oh, I would have wanted her to say something or maybe he, maybe he didn't express the feelings he wanted to say. So I think they're both at a loss of like, oh, no, that's not how we wanted to leave things. Also, I feel like they keep changing his scar every episode. It's different. So, it's know, different. It looks more prominent now. So it's, I'm like, oh, okay. It's still healing. Yes. <laughs> yes. So a lot's going on with the denims. Basically, Dr. Fuchs is like, she's past the point of no return. She's mad. There's nothing we can do to help her. Lady Denim is not convinced, but Esther is like out of her mind right now. And so Dr. Fuchs doesn't want to say it, but he's like, I think we should. And then Edward is thankfully there to be like an institution. Does she need to go to an institution? I think it would be really funny if Dr. Fuchs was like, we should send her to a friend in Switzerland who yes. can take care of her. And he's like, an institution? What? Yes. The worst and dingiest one? Yeah. You know, that's sort of his plan. Yes. So this plays so well into his plan. And then he, he tells Clara, he's like, it's all in the works. It's all happening for us. But even Clara is like, wait, an institution, that's too far. So for her, for Babington to return and find his wife is in an institution is not good. And I don't know, like, is Clara going to step in? Is, is her conscience going to catch up to her? We don't know yet. It's also Edward and Clara's wedding day. So yes. it seems like they're getting married in the morning because they're going to have a wedding breakfast. And he's like, make sure Esther's wine is half full at 10 in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> and so she's starting to have real reservations about sending her to an institution. Yeah. And he's like, nonsense, we'll be taken care of and we'll get her money. And she's like, you mean George's money? Yeah. The baby. So she's having second thoughts about all of this, clearly. So we're going to see what happens there. Meanwhile, Georgiana's portrait is finished. He's touching it up with Georgiana and Miss Haskins right there. And she's like, what's next for you? And he's like, I'm going to Europe with a very close person to me. Yes. His muse. His muse. And so it's, I can't really read Georgiana's face because in the last episode, she didn't really answer him. And so he's kind of assuming that we're full steam ahead on this trip to Europe. Yeah. The th continent of Europe. I would think that it seems like they've had another conversation where she said, yes, I'm going. Or is he just voicing his his hope of what's going to happen? That maybe by saying it out loud, she'll be like, oh, that sounds so great. Yes, I'll go along with you. But you know, I don't think she's decided either. They see the portrait. I don't know if it completely looks like her. You know, I think it's a great interpretation. I think it's most, it mostly looks like her, yes. but it doesn't totally look like her. But, yeah. you know, it is like a good picture. I yeah, couldn't do anything that it's good. It's a good picture. Not even remotely. She is finally seen as she wishes to be seen. Mm -hmm. She's on this path, but also, is she actually going to go with him? Is she going to go through with it? I don't know. Is she going to go to Europe? So we open the Antigua box. It's all of Sydney's personal items that they sent over. And there's a letter there too. 
too, that he wanted to send to Tom, but he didn't. So Tom is now reading Sydney's final words to him, which is like, dream big, you have big visions, continue taking risks, like Sanatin is great and, and you're great, so keep going. But the most important thing, the one thing that you absolutely need to know before I die is that Georgiana is in danger because there is one person who is after her fortune. There is one person who is going to try to deceive her. The exact word he used was unscrupulous. Yes. And then what is his name? Charles Lockhart. So like <sighs> literally the gasp, the gasp that we let out when we saw that and when we saw the build up to that because Georgiana is at the same time that we're reading this letter, Georgiana is leaving Charles's cottage and she sort of runs back to him and they are passionately making out yes. in his cottage, which means to me, like, she's said yes. She's like, doesn't care. She's open to love. She wants him. She wants this life. And he was playing her from the start. I have to say, I did not see that coming. I didn't see it coming. I didn't see it coming. I feel like they've been building it up as like, he's like just this artist who wandered into town, who happened to run into Georgiana, but he is the true Taylor Swift mastermind. He's been like, I know where she lives. I'm going to follow her. I'm going to work my way into Arthur's life, then into Georgiana. I'm going to gain her trust and get her to fall in love with me. His plan worked. If they did not get that letter, I mean, we don't know what's going to happen yet, but like his plan worked. Something that also a conversation we forgot to talk about last episode was when Tom was like, how did I fall for this soldier, Colonel Lennox's trap? Like, how did I get caught up in this dice game and oh so much? And Arthur was like, oh, well, that's easy because that's his job. Like, he's a strategist. He right. he knows that he needs to, like, gain certain people's trust and he knows how to trap people and he mm. does this for a living and he did it to you. And, like, Charles is the exact same way. Yeah. The exact same way. I didn't think we'd get two deceitful men in one show. You know, I haven't trusted any of these men. No. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not surprising, but I am... It is surprising. No, so. actually... Sanditon is the show where zero men can be trusted. Yeah, that's, that's zero. Even Tom, who we like, Arthur, we like, but like Arthur you can't can trust him with everything. No, that's true. <laughs> like he, when it comes to moral character, yes, you can trust the Parker brothers. It seems like we can trust Mister Colburn, but honestly, with this, I don't know. I don't know that we can trust anyone. Yeah. Then we go to Charlotte, who is now at the Colburn estate. They go for a walk. And they, they kiss. It is a great looking kiss. Like, this is a Nick Miller, Just. Jessica Day makeout session. Like, there is, like, hands on fit. It's great. It's very passionate. Passionate kiss, which is almost immediately interrupted. I know, by Mrs. Wheatley. By Mrs. Wheatley, who, and I knew this would happen, Leonora is run away. She's nowhere to be found. They're looking everywhere for her. She's not in her usual spots. Augusta evidently knows where she is. She reveals that she overheard the two of them talking last night. Cut two. She's gone to see Colonel Lennox. Your parents know you, eh? I do not have parents. My mother is dead. I'm sorry to hear that. It was not long after I was born. I never knew her. But you did. <laughs> her name was Lucy Colborne. I wanted to meet you, see if it's true that you 
or my real father. How old are you? I shall be nine in October. That really takes Colonel Lennox aback. He's like, what's going on? At that moment, Colburn, Charlotte, and Mrs. Wheatley all come in and they're like, come on, Leonora, we need to go home. Leonora does ask Colonel Lennox, like, are you my father? And he's like, no, like that man, Colburn, is your father. So I think partially he does that to one be like, I don't want a kid. <laughs> so there's all that. But then also he's like, She's already been raised as Colburn's child, so let him have her. Let him continue to raise her. And they go off, like, Leonora is taken away back home by Charlotte. Colburn goes back to talk to Colonel Lennox. We think, by the way, I was going, I was ready. fight, fight, yes. fight. I was ready. I wanted it. He's too much of a gentleman. He shows all so much restraint throughout this entire, uh, like, interaction with someone that he should... He doesn't need to show any grace toward or any nice feelings toward at all, but he does ex like express thankfulness to him of like, thanks for telling Leonora that you're not her father. But then Colonel Lennox uses that moment to be like, hope you don't treat her as bad as you treated Lucy. And I hope, you know, it's clear that Charlotte's in love with you. Like, are you going to abandon her like you abandoned your wife? Colonel Lennox is awful because he clearly sees nothing wrong with what he did with Lucy. He's like... I just offered her the comfort that she wasn't finding in you. And like, guy, like, <laughs> well, what you did wasn't justified well, at all. No, and even Colburn comes back with, actually, you preyed on her. Yes. Which, honestly, after seeing everything that Edward is doing and just how unbelievably selfish and entitled and, like, really will stop at nothing to get what he wants... I kind of believe that he yeah. is made of the same stuff. They're in the same regiment. Yes. This is the shameless, money-laundering, blood-sucking, money-sucking regiment. I think it's technically like the 20th regiment or something, but it's really like the blood-suckers. So... I mean, this is the same man who saw Edward as a reformed person. So there's clearly like, you know, they yeah. both see the same qualities in each other, and they both deceive people in the same ways. Yeah. And you know what? Maybe... Colburn is a very withdrawn man and very, not the best at showing affection, but I think he's, I think he is actually reformed. I think he's woken up. He even, he gives Leonora a hug. He's like, I swear I'm going to be a better father to you. Yeah. He's like, basically he also covers it up, you know, before he goes and talks with Lennox. He's like, what I meant last night was that I haven't been the father you deserve. Mm. And like starting now, I'm going to be that guy. I'm going to be better for you. You have my word. And Leonora is so sweet. She's like, oh, like, I'm actually glad it's you and not him. Like, even though he's a colonel, like, I'd be sad if you weren't my dad. <laughs> yes. I'm like, oh, that's so sweet. So that's, as far as we can tell, resolved. So we're at the Denims. They're, in, they're at the wedding breakfast. It's important to mention this is the pre-wedding breakfast. Pre-wedding breakfast. They're not married yet. They're just going over, like, we got to do the ceremony quick. We want to get it over and done with. These two need to be married. In the same way that... In the first episode of season two of Fleabag, they're having a meal with yes. the man who's going to marry them. They are having a breakfast with the local vicar who's yes. going to marry them. And Lady Denim's like, no sermons, no hymns, just do it. Yes. Just make it official. They're about to toast. And finally, Clara is like, no, this cannot go on any longer. She covers Esther's glass. She's like, no, you can't drink that. And they're all like, what's the meaning of this? Just let her have one drink. 
and she grabs the glass and she smashes it on the ground. She outs his whole plan. Yes. She talks about poisoning her. She names the drug. She's like, we intercept. Well, she brings out the bottle. She Here's the bottle. No label because it was the olden days, but like it's <laughs> yes. a poison shaped bottle. <laughs> it may as well have a skull and crossbones yes. on it. She says, we intercepted Babington's letters. He was writing to you. He's obsessed with you. We've been deceiving you before your very eyes. Like, I will never forgive myself for the part that I played in it, for staying silent, for being compliant. I convinced myself it was for George's inheritance, but like, it's not worth it. Like, you are not crazy. Lady Denham is like, I trust it. I chose to forgive you. Like, how could you do this to me? I mean, this is a really incredible moment on Esther's part because she is she does jump in to protect Clara. She's like, wait, wait, she is as much as a victim as I used to be. She needs to be protected. As far as what's going to happen with Edward, like, we don't know. Like, he's just going to be banished, I think, at this point. It's really up to Lady Denham. Well, but here's my thing. We're not I done mean, yet. He's forever the father of the child. So. But, like... He's been banished. Yes. He was disowned. We thought he was a relic. He was non-threatening. And then he came back. So I feel like he needs to die. That's just me. <laughs> it's just like a really efficient way to get people out of the picture. Esther sobers up pretty quickly and, you know, she forgives Clara. I think this is a really great moment because now Esther has the confirmation like, okay, I'm not going crazy. Yeah. Like I'm I everything that I've been going through, like there's been a reason behind it and it's all led back to Edward. So yeah. she's like I'm sure she's heartbroken because she's like I fell prey once again to his schemes. Yeah. But now she's like okay, now we can move forward and I can protect Clara and baby George. Yeah, and they're like a united front. And actually theirs is a friendship that I never even thought to root for no. because they've always been at odds, you know? Yeah. Clara's always been coming from this place of I need money, I need a scheme, I gotta get a thing. And now she's like, she's got it in the palm of her hand and she doesn't want to take it because of the expense of ruining Esther's life. I'm really happy that she came to that conclusion. I think they're unstoppable together. Yes, definitely. We pick up on Charles, packed ready to go. He's waiting for Georgiana to just go and they're going to go off and travel and be in love and whatever. But Georgiana comes up and she knows what's up. She knows his schemes now and is like, I know what you said against me. Here are the exact words that were used in your argument against me so that I don't get the inheritance. And he's like, but we're in love. We're so in love. Like, despite what you may think you know about me, which may or may not be true. We're in love. Like, he this could work. This could work. Like, he really is, like, trying to make it be like, this could work for us. He doesn't even deny it. He's like, yeah, but, but I love you now and we can enjoy our lives together. And she's like, why would I ever do that and yeah. consent to that? And he's just really defeated and handsome and he just has to leave. I'm sad we're never going to see him again. <laughs> I'm actually also really sad because, like, we loved him for so long. Like, it's yeah. just been such a good, slowish burn. And then we finally love him and we're about to run away with him. And then we learned at the last minute that he's been playing her from the start. Yeah. I mean, I knew there was no way that they were actually going to run away together. I didn't think, one, either Mary would let that happen or someone would intervene in some way. But I didn't think it would be that he's been deceiving her this whole time. But yeah. here we are. The mail between Antigua and Sanditon is incredibly slow. Yes. So that's kind of patched up. And poor Georgiana is 
Actually, we don't really know how she is, but if I were her, I'd be devastated. And, you know, she and Allison can just sort of like cry the same tears of like, this man literally lied to me from the beginning and completely fabricated the basis of our relationship. Oh, but there's more in Sydney's letter that Mary reveals later, which is that she was led to believe that her mother died when she was a child. But apparently that's not the case. She was alive as recently as five years ago. And so that was another thing Sydney was trying to do in Antigua was track down her mother. It sounds like he wasn't able to, but she did leave something to her to remember her by. And it's a beautiful puka shell necklace for her. And I mean, Georgiana just breaks down in tears. I feel like this trumps any boy drama that could ever befall her. We don't know if if her mom is still in Antigua. She could really be anywhere at this point. So that's going to be, I think, the mystery that takes us into next season is, will Georgiana be able to be reunited with her mother? Or will she find her? Or or what was the fate of her mom? Petition to follow, like, send Georgiana to Antigua. Yes, and, have her, and see that like, happen. Yeah, and, like, reconnect with her mother and her family and everything like that. She hates it in Sanditon. Like, maybe she'd be happy in Antigua. Maybe. The other big drama that we come to is Colonel Lennox and Tom Parker. So Tom is finally going to confront Colonel Lennox, and it's really... Thanks to the words of inspiration from Sydney. Again, Sydney just saving the day. From the dead. <laughs> yes. And so he's like, okay, I'm going to beat him at his own game. They go to the camp and he tells Colonel Lennox, okay, here's the bet. Here's the 100 pounds that I owe you. Either I give this to you and I will take care of all of the town debt, or you pay for all the debt and you wipe my debt clean. And they're going to play wager all of this on a game of 21 using Sydney's cards, which Tom has said, I have never won a game of against Sydney. So now he's betting all the town's dead on it. Thankfully, he wins. I don't know if this is the exact approach Sydney would have wanted for him to take, but you know what? It works. It works. He challenges him in front of his men and in that sort of challenges his manliness and his honor and everything like that. So it's not a gun duel. It's a game of wits. And they are triumphant. They drowning in cash and they're handing it to the shopkeepers. And they're like, here you go. Here's here's what you're owed. He got it. He got the money out of him. I didn't think that would happen. There is a moment when they're at the camp where I thought Tom Parker was reaching into his jacket and he was going to pull out like a pistol and be like, let's duel. But I'm like, oh no, Tom, are you really going to go up against a colonel right now? Went to Tom's, duel? Tom's not a fighter. So he's not a fighter. He uses cards and, and betting to fight stuff. So. Which is, you know what? And like, that was Sydney's whole messaging is like, beat him at his own game, beat him on your grounds on what you're good at. And yeah. he isn't good enough to beat Sydney. But this guy isn't Sydney, which is the moral of the story. With the Denims, we have Edward, who right now Lady Denim is like, what punishment will I come up with you today? And he's like, what, banishment? Like, again, banished times two? Mm -hmm. But no, she's like, okay, I will give you a monthly allowance, but you have to show me you're reformed. You have to do all these, like, religious lessons, and you have to do all these things. Hard labor. Hard labor. And he's like, I'm good. Like, I would rather die in battle. That was kind of Lady Denim's plan. She's like, I'm going to offer him something so awful and something he would never do, and then he's just going to leave, which he does. He leaves, he goes back to his camp, but Lady Denim has already sent word to Colonel Lennox and Colonel Lennox rips like the the 
things off his shoulders, the off little, his uniform. The little tassel shoulder pads. Yes, and he's like, you are decommissioned from being a captain. You are no longer, you know, since you're not able to pay for that anymore. So Lady Denham wrote him yes. and let him know that... Edward has no way of paying for his commission. But That's also, how he works. told him like what he did. Yeah. So he's like, "You're a man of you don't. You're a man of no honor, and you don't deserve I mean, this." So. Neither is he. I know. That's why. It's but like, like, yeah, like you're calling each other no- dishonorable, but you're both dishonorable. It's like so. the kettle is the pot is calling the kettle black, kind yes. of a thing. So he's like, I feel like a, basically a petty foot soldier. You know, he is nothing in the army. He's just gonna have to be there. He has no other option. Like, what is yeah. he gonna do? So that happens. Clara and Esther, I mean, clearly Clara has now grown to have a fondness toward her child. Yeah. But she sees just how much Esther already has like a love for the baby. And I think at this point, Clara's like, I want Esther to have the happiness that she deserves. And Mm -hmm. because really at this point for Clara, she's like, I either go to like this random place in another town where I'm going to be secluded with this child. And for Esther, she's like, sounds like a dream. Like you'll get to have like this little baby and you'll get to care for him. For Clara, she's like, sounds like the worst thing ever. (laughs) So I'd rather not. She also says to Clara, to Esther, it scares me how much I love this baby. It's not, I think, just a fondness, but like she does love this baby. I think she's grown to love the baby. She's grown to love the baby, but there's love and then there's everything else. Yes. And she she's always going to be depending on the Lady Denims of this world to yes. provide. And one day the money's going to run out and she's going to have, like she's always going to have to be figuring something out with this kid. And I think she just doesn't want to do it. She wants to just try and like start over and just try and be someone else. Which then leads us to seeing little baby George in a basket. Clara is gone. She has left. She leaves a note for Esther explaining like, I know you may never understand like why I'm doing this, but baby George is now yours. So that's a really beautiful thing that Clara does. You know, maybe she had her own reasons of why she wanted to leave and now she's giving her baby to Esther. But now Esther gets to be a mother and gets to have a baby without any fear of losing her own life because of the risks. Yeah. So it kind of ends happily for Clara and Esther now being freed of Edward's schemes. Yeah, they're both free and that's great. Next, Alison Haywood gets her happily ever after. Yeah. It's really funny because the Parkers, Georgiana, Charlotte, they're all standing around and she's like, he only, he came by today, gave me a present and said he were, we were dear friends. And then even Tom looks at Mary like, what? This man was never your friend. (laughs) (laughs) Like literally never. And she's like, but he gave me this. And they're like, okay, we'll open it. So she does. She opens it early. And sure enough, it's his book of poems that he was reading to Carter earlier. And he has marked the page of the poem he wrote that Carter gave to her with a flower. And she understands that it had, it was always him. Like from the beginning, it was this guy. Realizes he loves her. She loves him. They race Charlotte for the second time that day (laughs) back to the army camp and they're closing up shop. Like the army's left and they are going to India. Now, do I think they're in India in an afternoon? No, it doesn't even (laughs) take that short of time to fly there from England. But they rush home upset and who 
are Arthur and Tom keeping busy, but Captain Fraser, he came and I didn't, he's been Irish this whole time. I literally didn't, I didn't know notice that. his accent I, at all. It's like, I feel like he wasn't until the last episode. And he's like, by the way, I'm the son of Irish pig farmers. And we're like, okay. Yeah. I have fought to hide my feelings from you, believing them to be futile. Never daring to hope that you could bring yourself to love a coarse, battle-scarred soldier. But, my dearest Alison, I stand before you now to ask you if you will honor me with the greatest rank of all, that of your loving husband. Yes, 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 a hundred thousand times yes. <laughs> very sweet it's very romantic they kiss and i love that everyone in the parkers and and haywoods are all like ears pressed up against the wall they're all listening in shamelessly so they all come out and they all celebrate together so it's very like a joyous moment for all of them it's really nice i mean allison got essentially what she hoped for out of this season she was like i'm gonna meet a new city man i'm gonna get married and it's gonna be great and it's funny that she was like, I never want to marry. I don't want to be a farmer's wife. And that's ultimately what she will be. But she's like, you know what? But I'm happy. So that's all that matters. A quick thing with Georgiana is that she is now going to be staying in Sanditon. So long-term plans. She's not planning on just leaving right away. She's getting an apartment there. And she's still best friends with Arthur. She kind of jokingly is like, just marry me. You know, it's just us. And Arthur's like, marriage isn't for me. And so they both are just going to be friends and, you know, continue living their lives together as friends. And she's going to look for her mother. Yes. Her new mission, her raison d'etre, is looking for her mother. And as I said, I hope that we get to see more of that next season. And then the big event that happens here, really, that we're ending on is going to be between Charlotte and Colburn. So Charlotte goes to work as she usually does and Colburn pulls her aside. I would think that he's going to propose, that he's going to be like, I don't want you anymore as my governess. I want you as my wife. That's what happened in The Sound of Music. Yes. So that did not happen though. I owe you an apology. For what? My behavior has been unforgivable. Twice I allowed my emotions to get the better of me. Twice I have taken advantage of my position over you. You make it sound as if I'm not a willing participant. You are the girl's governess, and I am master of the estate. I am your employer. It was deeply inappropriate, and I feel only shame and regret. That is all I am to you. A member of your staff. In the circumstances, I understand that your position here has become untenable and you wish to leave at once. He's putting it entirely on her. He yes. does say, you know, you were my governess. I'm the master of this estate. That was inappropriate. I get Which, it. Like, yeah. I get yeah. it. I get it. But this is where you say you're fired, but will you marry me? And he doesn't say that. He's like, I'm sure you want to leave, you know, and I'm, I have it all arranged so that you don't work here anymore yeah. because I'm sure you don't want to be here. The thing is that the things that Colonel Lennox said to him got to him. It caught up because he was like, are you going to treat Charlotte in the same way that you treated Lucy? You abandoned your wife and that's why she turned to me for comfort. For Colburn, he's really insecure about what it means to be a good husband, a good father. He doesn't really know how to do that. 
So his solution is to turn the person away who's helped him to start to open up and learn and be like, no, I'm going to turn her away and, and she's going to reject me too. So I'm, you know, I'm beating her to the punch essentially. So he's also afraid of getting hurt. Very much so. And, and just of like, his wife died. Like yes. she died. And I think, you know, he's got this thing deep in him that like, he just ends up disappointing people and yeah. they end up getting hurt to a really dramatic degree. Charlotte goes home in tears and then Augusta comes up to him and is like, you need to go after her. We love her. She loves us. She brought light to mm -hmm. the house. You need to go to her. So he does. And then he's like, Augusta misses you. The house misses you. I understand we parted on. Like, he doesn't even, he does the thing where he doesn't apologize. And he's just yeah. like, so that was weird, right? He's like, taking everything back that I said, what if we get together and you come back? But he's, it's not like he's saying, let's get married or I love you or any of that. He just says like, Augusta misses you. The house misses you. For her, she's like, so what are you offering here? Like, I'm not going to come back to work for you because obviously their relationship dynamic has changed. For her to go back to working there, it's, it's one, going to be super awkward, but also like their dynamic is totally off now. Yep. And it's not like he comes back to be like, I'm in love with you let's get married. He doesn't say any of that. Again, he's like trying to put it on her to decide what to do. And she's like, no, listen, you were right. This relationship isn't appropriate and we should just leave it where it is. And also I can't be with someone who flip flops like this and disrespects me, me, disrespects me like this. I can't do it. I hope he realizes that he like, you know, and she says, this was your decision. This yeah. wasn't my decision, yeah. which is true. And I don't even know if he sees that, but they're over. They're over. I'm pissed off. <laughs> it's really a bummer. I'm really because, pissed off. Like, I really thought we were building toward Charlotte finally getting her happily ever after. That was the one thing from season one where people were so upset about because she did not end with a happily ever after either. And Charlotte has this moment where she is like, enough, enough of this. Like she keeps getting her heart broken. And there was a moment where I'm like, is she our Jane Austen character? Yeah. She's literally Jane Austen where like, maybe she had these opportunities for love and to get married, but she keeps getting her heart broken. And you know what? It's fine if she chooses to not get married, but she keeps falling in love with these guys who are so emotionally unavailable and it sucks. Yes. So we cut to two months later. We are at the beautiful wedding of Allison. It's like and in a farmhouse. And like a cute farmhouse. And like her wedding dress is gorgeous. Everyone's gorgeous. Their hair is down. There's flower crowns. It's amazing. Fraser looks great. I don't, hot. He's not Captain Fraser anymore. He's just Mr. Fraser. Mr. Fraser. Husband of Allison Yes. <laughs> so they're, you know, they got married. They're dancing at the reception. Like everyone's having a good time. Meanwhile, we cut to the Colburn estate. They're closing up shop and he takes the two girls in the carriage and he's like, we need a change. We, we need a new, new scenery. They leave and we have no idea where they're going. No idea. And so we cut back to the festivities at the reception. A nice looking young man pops up next to Charlotte and Tom. Ralph, Ralph, Ralph Starling. Yeah, Ralph, um, Tom and Mary are like, who's this? And she's like, this is Ralph Starling. We're going to be married soon. And Georgiana gives her this death glare. Like, really? The farmer? The, this, like, simple farmer kid? You're going to marry him? And we cut! And we end the show! And that's the show! That she's going to marry this 
guy because it's convenient and her father wants it and she just doesn't want to try to fall in love anymore. But she's done with love. She's super, I mean, like, honestly, if I were her, I'd be pretty, I would need, like, two to five business years to recover. I know, she took two months (laughs) to recover. And that's not even enough, you know? know. Like, she's, it's like, she's not even marrying this guy because of love. She's like, I just, I want to start my life and marriage seems to be, you know, I think it'd be easier if I married someone that I didn't love because that way I wouldn't get hurt. I mean, for women in that time, it was like, you need to get married in order to be settled, in order to kind of then now focus on your family and and setting up your own home. That was the main duties for a woman too. So she feels like I just need to be settled and the governess thing, I tried it, clearly it didn't work out for me. So you know what, fine, I'll just follow what someone else wants me to do and Maybe that'll work. So I hate it. Yeah, I hate it. I'll say it. I'm not happy with this at all. Glad there's a third season because they need to clean up this mess. They need to undo. And I here's what I don't want. I really actually don't want a new guy for Charlotte. Like I want. It's got to be Colburn or they got to build up this Ralph guy to the point where we're like, Oh, wait, no. Like, Ralph is a real option. Yeah. So it's got to be a love triangle situation. It has to be because I'm just so sick of these men who love her and then they're just like, sorry. (laughs) Bye. Don't want to see another person for Charlotte. Like, if that happens next season, I'm going to like, I'll be on an anti-Sanditon campaign. (laughs) I said it. I said what I said. This is the Pemberley podcast. You can't displease us like this. I know. You know who we are. (laughs) I mean, speaking of future seasons, we don't know yet when season three will premiere. They have released a couple images for the next season. And we also don't know what is the fate of Saniton beyond season three. They have not renewed any more seasons. So I feel like we need to look at season three as like, this needs to wrap up the whole story. I would hope that Charlotte in the next season gets the happily ever after she deserves and that we want her to have... And I hope Georgiana is able to be reunited with her mom. Yeah. And if it is a happily ever after for her, great. That would be great too. That you know, we, we just want to see everyone happy. Yeah. And thriving. Yeah. And living their life. Exactly. It's not so much to ask. <laughs> it's not so much to ask for. Well, thank you for listening to another iteration of the Pemberley podcast, everyone. We're going to take a bit of a hiatus as we settle into what we're going to talk about next. Keep up with us on social media. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Patreon at The Pemberley. And you can email us at thepemberleypodcast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm.